Section 26 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jude Summers. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. Mammals. By Charles Lewis Cornish, Editor. Section 26. The Raccoon Family. The Raccoon, the Coatis, the Pandas and Kinkajou, the Sea Otter, the Skunks, the Badgers, the Rotels. Chapter 7. The Smaller Carnivora. The Raccoon Family. A link between the bears and the weasel tribe is made by the raccoons and their allies. They are bear-like in having a short, thick body and in their flat-footed manner of walking, also in their habit of sitting up on end and using their paws as hands, to some extent, in aiding them to climb. But they are also much more like the civets, and the pretty little caxomixel or ring-tailed cat of Mexico was formerly classed with the civets. They are all very active, enterprising, and quick-witted creatures of no great size, very different in temperament from the bears. The type of the family is the American raccoon itself. Its scientific name of Letor, the washer, was given to it from an odd habit these creatures have of wetting and washing their food in any water which is near. One kept at the zoo washed her kittens so much when they were born that they all died. The coon inhabits America from Canada to the south as far down as Paraguay. In size it is equal to a common fox, but is short and stout. Restless, inquisitive, and prying, it is a most mischievous beast where farmyards and poultry are within reach. It kills the fowls, eats the eggs, samples the fruit, and if caught, shams dead with all the doggedness of a possum. It is very fond of fish and shellfish. Oysters are a special dainty, as are mussels and clams. A gentleman who kept one says, It opens oysters with wonderful skill. It is sufficient for it to break the hinge with its teeth. Its paws complete the work of getting out the oyster. It must have a delicate sense of touch. In this operation, it rarely avails itself of sight or smell. It passes the oyster under its hind paws. Then, without looking, it seeks with its hands the weakest place. It there digs in its claws, forces asunder the valves, and tears out the flesh in fragments, leaving nothing behind. Its favorite haunt is in the cane brakes of the south. There the planters follow it by night with dogs and shoot it in the trees in which it takes refuge. The skins, with handsome alternations of yellow and brown, make fine carriage rugs. The Coates the coatis are small arboreal creatures with the habits of a raccoon and squirrel fairly proportioned. They are flesh-eaters, but active and playful. Their long, pig-like snouts give them an unpleasant appearance. They inhabit Mexico and Central and South America as far as Paraguay. Several specimens are generally to be seen at the zoological gardens. Their habits are much the same as those of the small tree-climbing cats, but with some of the badger added. Insects and worms, as well as birds and small animals, form their food.
the pandas, and kinkajou. Among the small carnivorous mammals, the bearcat, or panda, is a very interesting creature. Its color is striking, a beautiful red chestnut above, the lower surface jet black, the tail long and ringed. The quality of the fur is fine also. It is found in the eastern Himalaya and is as large as a badger. The great panda, from eastern Tibet, is a much larger, short-tailed, black-and-white animal, once thought to be a bear. The kinkajou has a prehensile tail and uses its paws as hands so readily that it was formerly placed among the lemurs. It is a native of southern and intertropical America. Nocturnal and living in the great forests, it is seldom seen by man. Its head is round and cat-like. Its feet are the same, but with non-retractable claws, and it has a long, full tail. It has a long tongue, with which it can lick out insects from the crevices and holes of trees. Baron von Humboldt says that it attacks the nests of wild bees. It uses its tongue to draw objects of food towards it, even if they are not living. A pleasant description of this animal appeared in Charles Knight's Museum of Animated Nature, published many years ago. In its aspect, there is something of gentleness and good nature. In captivity, it is extremely playful, familiar, and fond of being noticed. One lived in the gardens of the Zoological Society for seven years. During the greater part of the morning, it was asleep, rolled up in a ball in its cage. In the afternoon, it would come out, traverse its cage, take food, and play with those to whom it was accustomed. Clinging to the top wires of its cage with its tail and hind paws, it would thus swing itself backwards and forwards. When thus hanging, it would bring its forepaws to the bars, as well as the hind pair, and in this manner would travel up and down its cage with the utmost address, every now and then thrusting out its long tongue between the wires, as if in quest of food, which, when offered to it, it would endeavor to draw in between the wires with this organ. It was very fond of being gently stroked and scratched, and when at play with anyone it knew, it would pretend to bite, seizing the hand or fingers with its teeth, as a dog will do when playing with its master. As the evening came on, it was full of animation, and exhibited in every movement the most surprising energy. The Otters As the badgers and rattles seem specially adapted to an underground and cave-making existence, so the otters all conform in structure to an aquatic life. Yet, except the webbing of the space between the toes and the shortening and flattening of the head, there is very little obvious change in their structure to meet the very great difference in the conditions under which they live. The short-toed otter is a small Indian species. It has nails on its hands in place of claws. One kept at the zoo was a most amusing and friendly little pet, which let itself be nursed like a kitten. The North American otter has the same habits as the English kind, but is somewhat larger and has a far finer coat. It is trapped in thousands, and the fur sent over to this country to the Hudson Bay Company's and Sir Charles Lampson's fur sales. 
These otters, like all their family, are very fond of playing. One of their regular games is to make a snow slide or an ice slide down a frozen waterfall. The alighting place from this chute is, if possible, in the water. There the trapper sets his traps, and the poor otters are caught. The common otter is far the most attractive of the British carnivora. It is still fairly common all over Britain where fish exist. It is found on the Norfolk broads and rivers, all up the Thames, in Scotland, Devonshire, Wales, Cumberland, and North Cumberland. It travels considerable distances from river to river, and sometimes gets into a preserved trout pool or breeding pond, and does much mischief. The beautiful young otters here figured are in Mr. Percy Lee Pemberton's collection of British mammals at Ashford, Kent. Their owner made a large brick tank for them, where they were allowed to catch live fish. Once one of them seized a four-pound pike by the tail. The pike wriggled round and seized the otter's paw, but was soon placed hors de combat. The largest otter which the writer has seen was bolted by a ferret from a rabbit warren on the edge of the Norfolk Fen at Hockwold, and shot by the keeper, who was rabbiting. English dog otters sometimes weigh as much as 26 pounds. They regularly hunt down the rivers by night, returning before morning to their holt, where they sleep by day. No fish stands a chance with them. They swim after the fish in the open river, chase it under the bank, and then corner it, or seize it with a rush, just as the penguins catch gudgeon at the zoo. Captain Salvin owned a famous tame otter, which used to go for walks with him, and amuse itself by catching fish in the roadside ponds. Common otters killed on the coast are often confounded with the sea otter. This is a great mistake. The sea otter is as much a marine animal as the seal or the sea lion. It swims out in the open ocean, and is even more of a pelagic creature than the seal, for it either produces its young when in the water, or at any rate carries and suckles them on the open sea. The sea otter is much larger than the common otter. Unfortunately, the fish and other marine creatures which form the food of the sea otters are found mainly near the coast. Following them, the otters came near the Aleutian Islands, where the hunters are ever on the watch for them. If a single otter is seen, five or six boats, with a rifleman in each, at once put out, and the otter stands little chance of escape. It never was a common animal, and the prices given for the fur, up to 200 pounds for a first-class skin, have caused its destruction. The skin, when stretched and cured, is sometimes five feet long, and is of an exquisite natural rich brown, like long plush sprinkled all over with whitish hairs like hoarfrost. The Skunks Of all the strange equipments given by nature to animals for their protection, that possessed by the various species of skunk is the most effective. These animals are able to emit a fluid so vile in odor that it seems equally hateful to all animals. Dogs, pumas, men alike shun them, and the animals seem to know this and to presume on their immunity. An ordinary skunk is about the size of a cat, black, 
with bright white stripes down the sides and back. The fur is thick and handsome, and, if the animal be killed before it discharges its fluid, is not too strongly odorous to make trimmings for jackets. Mr. Hudson, in his Naturalist in La Plata, says, In talking to strangers from abroad, I have never thought it necessary to speak of the dangers of sunstroke, jaguars, or the assassin's knife. But I have never omitted to warn them of the skunk, minutely describing its habits and personal appearance. I knew an Englishman who, on taking a first gallop across the pampas, saw one, and quickly dismounted, hurling himself bodily on it to effect its capture. Poor man! He did not know that the animal is never unwilling to be caught. Men have been blinded by them forever by a discharge of the fiery liquid in their faces. The smell pervades the whole system of anyone subjected to it, like a pestilent ether, nauseating the victim till seasickness seems pleasant in comparison. Dogs can be taught to kill skunks, but they show the greatest disgust and horror when the fluid of the animal falls upon them and sometimes roll in mud or dust in the endeavor to get rid of it. The Badgers The badgers include several genera. The sand badgers of the east have a naked snout, small ears, and rough fur, with softer fur underneath. The Indian badger is larger than that of Europe, while that of Java, Sumatra, and Borneo is smaller and has a very short tail. The ferret badgers from the east have elongated bodies and short tails. They are tree climbers, and as omnivorous as the badger itself. The Cape Zorilla, with another species found in Egypt, is more nearly allied to the polecats, but is striped like a skunk. The European badger is still fairly numerous. There is not a county in England where it is not found. A large colony has been established in Epping Forest, some fifty yards square of hillside being honeycombed with badger earths. The European badger is found all over temperate northern Europe and Asia, but being shy, wary, and mainly nocturnal, is seldom seen. At night it wanders about, and in August gets into the cornfields, whence it is chased and caught by dogs. A Somerset farmer had a pointer and sheepdog, which were adepts at this night-catching of badgers. They would accompany their masters along the roads, and the pointer instantly winded any badger which had crossed. Both dogs then bounded off, and soon their loud barking showed that they had found and held up the badger. The dog's owner then came up, picked the badger up by its tail, and dropped it in a sack. The badger's earth is wonderfully deep and winding. In it, the badger sleeps during the winter and gives birth to its young, three or four of which are produced at a time. The end of March is the period of birth, but the cubs do not come out until June. In October, they are full grown. The badger carries in a great quantity of fern and grass as a bed for its cubs. Mr. Trevor Batty writes... I had a pair which were probably about six weeks old. They were called Gripper and Nancy. They would rest on my lap when feeding and sit up and beg like dogs. Their hearing and power of scent were remarkable. 
The badgers were in a closed yard, but if any of the dogs came near, even following a path which ran at a distance of six or seven yards, they would instantly jump off my lap and disappear into a corner. The animals could walk and trot backwards with the greatest ease. I have never seen this noticed elsewhere, yet it is worth mentioning, because it is characteristic of the weasel family, not being shared, to my knowledge, by any other mammal. Not, for instance, by the bears. Mr. A. E. Pease says of the badger, It is easily domesticated, and if brought up by hand, is found an interesting and charming companion. I had at one time, too, that I could do anything with, and which followed me so closely that they would bump against my boots every step I took, and come and snuggle in under my coat when I sat down. The Rattels As the mink is adapted for an aquatic diet, so the Rattels, a link between the weasels and the badgers, seem to have been specialized to live upon insects and honey, as well as flesh. They are quaint creatures, with rounded iron-gray backs, and black bellies, noses, and feet. The African kind is found in Cape Colony and East Africa, and is believed to live largely on honey and bee brood. The habits of the rattel are almost identical with those of the badger, except that it is less shy and very restless. A nearly similar species of rattel is found in southern Asia, from the Caspian to India. The rattels are strictly nocturnal and make their lay by day in hollow trees, though they are said not to climb. The skin is protected by thick, close hair, so that bees cannot sting through the fur. The skin is also very loose. If a dog bites it, the rattel can generally twist round and bite back. The African rattel is omnivorous. It eats snakes and birds. The body of a cobra has been found in the stomach of one. End of section 26